APU. American Public University is proud to present Leading Forward. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Gentili. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm excited to welcome back attorney Neil Goldsmith to the podcast. Neil is a partner at Lathrop GPM, a full-service law firm with nearly 400 attorneys located in 14 offices from coast to coast. Neil is currently doing a lot of work around workplace vaccine mandates, and I'm excited to discuss several very recent developments today. Welcome, Neil, and thank you so much for coming back. Happy to be back. Well, as much as 2020 presented a lot of challenges for employers and employees, by all accounts, 2021 is proving yet again to be a pretty difficult road to travel, albeit for different reasons. As many employers curtail work from home accommodations and shift back to traditional workspaces, questions around mandatory vaccines have begun to surface. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has affirmed an employer's right to question and to verify an employee's vaccine status. Financial powerhouse Morgan Stanley issued a statement confirming that only fully vaccinated employees would be permitted to return to the office. And in a recent Texas court decision, it even goes further, affirming an employer's right to mandate vaccines for all employees and to terminate those employees who refuse to comply. Throughout the summer months, more universities and other institutions of higher education have mandated vaccines for all employees and and in some cases for all students. In other spaces like K-12 schools, unions have often not supported any type of vaccine mandate and, and such have not been proffered. So some of the major developments I've just recounted here, but things are changing so quickly. Neil, can you give us a high level overview of where workplace vaccine policies are right now? Sure, I'd be happy to. Things have definitely come a long way in the last six months regarding the development of workplace vaccine policies. I think like with most things involving COVID-19, everyone was just very confused. There wasn't a lot of clear guidance, certainly no case law about what's appropriate and what's not. But I, I think the common theme that we're seeing over and over again with all employment law issues related to COVID-19 is I think safety is going to win the day. And I think what's happening over these last few months is we're seeing just how effective these vaccines are. And the mandates or the more mandates that we're seeing or the more what I'd call aggressive approaches to trying to get employees vaccinated, uh, I think is a direct response of one, the efficacy of the vaccine. And two, I think there's somewhat of a domino effect too when some of the major employers come out and start to mandate vaccines or or take very strong positions about what vaccinated employees can do versus unvaccinated employees, then you see very much a ripple effect in the employer community. So the way things stand right now, the EEOC, as you mentioned, they've clarified, thankfully, that you can mandate the vaccine. I think once the EEOC gave its clear blessing, that's what led a lot of these companies to maybe take more aggressive approaches on this front. And it doesn't hurt too, frankly, that uh, the Biden administration has been very clear and very, very supportive of the vaccine. I think a lot of employers are saying, well, if the Biden administration is so supportive of it, it's going to be difficult for us to run afoul of any sort of legal obligation that we might have if our intention, again, goes back to safety and keeping our employees, our customers safe, and we're doing what the government essentially wants us to do. I think all of those factors 
have put us in a position now where these mandatory vaccine policies are not nearly as controversial as they, they were several months ago. I certainly see the point of promoting safety and, and always having that as sort of the guiding principle protecting employers in a lot of cases. But I suspect that employees will raise concerns around the safety of the vaccine. Are there any recognized exceptions in these cases where employers have required vaccines? So this is tricky, and it's a little bit trickier than the mask issues, which I know we're not focusing on, but but they're somewhat related here. The recognized exceptions, if you will, the two main ones are obligations under the Americans with Disabilities Act to reasonably accommodate employees with disabilities. And the other is under Title VII, where there's an obligation to accommodate individuals with sincerely held religious beliefs. Those are the two main objections or exemptions or exceptions, however you want to frame those that we're seeing out there. And where this comes up is, let's say your employer, you mandate the vaccine, you have an employee who has been advised by their medical provider to not get the vaccine because of some particular condition that they have that may make it dangerous for them to take the vaccine. So they could claim, I would like an accommodation, essentially, of not having to get the vaccine. Similarly, on the religious front, you may have some folks who are part of a religious group who object, you know, either to the general use of vaccines or to some of the ways in which the vaccines are developed or particularly what types of cells and materials make up the vaccine as far as putting that into their bodies that can conflict with certain religious observances of, of certain groups. So again, the, the same scenario there, employer says, you must get the vaccine. And person says, actually, I can't because of my religious beliefs. And I'd like an accommodation to not get the vaccine. Thinking, I guess, more specifically about those that may have uh, protection under the ADA, what type of proof can an employer request in terms of substantiating the claim that the employee cannot be vaccinated? So they can ask for whatever supporting documentation they need to verify the employee's claim. It's just like any other accommodation request, non-vaccine related, non-COVID related. Whenever an employee comes to the employer and says, I'm sorry, I can't work because of this reason, or I'm having trouble completing this task because of this condition, I'd like this accommodation. The employer always has a right under the ADA to ask for medical documentation from a reputable provider substantiating that claim. That's the same thing here. If an employee comes and says, I can't take the vaccine because I have this condition, then the employer can say, okay, give us a doctor's note and then we'll go from there. So does the same hold true for a sincerely held religious belief that would not allow the uh, employee to take part in the vaccine? The same type of documentation or substantiation? No, not exactly. And this, to be quite frank, it's really difficult to independently verify whether someone has a sincerely held religious belief. There's no requirement that they have to provide a, a note from their priest, their rabbi, their clergy, whoever their religious leader is or whatever organization they belong to. There's no such requirement. And this is one where the employer more or less has to take the employee at face value for it and rely on what the employee is saying. Unless, of course, they have very specific evidence that they're aware of or that they've witnessed to undercut the argument that they belong to some, you know, a certain religion or that a certain religion includes this particular restriction. 
thinking about employee privacy rights, I have, I guess, a little bit of a hypothetical. Let's say an employee isn't able to be vaccinated either because of an ADA accommodation or or requested religious observance accommodation. And the employer asks the employee then to wear a mask. Is there any question or, or concern around whether wearing that mask, requiring that mask of an unvaccinated person compels the employee to share publicly their vaccination status? So that's a really interesting question. I'm going to answer kind of a sub question in there first, which I think is, well, is sharing your vaccination status or requiring that someone share their vaccination status, is that unlawful? And I don't think you can clearly say the answer is yes, it is. I think it's a bad idea for a number of reasons and potentially implicates some just tort privacy laws and some issues under the ADA. The ADA requires any medical information that an employer receives about an employee to be securely stored. What I hear a lot incorrectly is that people say, well, that violates HIPAA. And what most people don't understand is that HIPAA does not apply to employers. HIPAA applies to health plans and healthcare organizations about patient data. That's usually the purpose of HIPAA. It's not meant to apply to private employers. And if I'm a private employer, an employee shares with me their health data, vaccination status, and I share that with someone else, I haven't violated HIPAA. I may have violated some other laws and there's some other potential risk, but it's not really a, a HIPAA issue. There's also, of course, just the practical piece of it of, do you want to be the employer that's sharing this information about their employees for just kind of morale reasons? I, I don't think it's it's a good idea. Going back to your question, though, about this mask issue and, and are, is there a problem with requiring these unvaccinated employees to wear masks because it essentially outs them, so to speak, as someone who is not vaccinated? I think there is a bit of an issue with that. My concern on this front, and this came up a couple months ago when the CDC revealed their new mask guidance and basically said, yep, you can take the mask off if you're vaccinated. The concern here is someone says, I can't get vaccinated. Setting aside the whole, can we make you get vaccinated or not, or accommodation piece. Let's say your employer just says, all right, those who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks. And those who are not vaccinated do have to wear masks. And if that person who's not vaccinated isn't vaccinated because of their disability, they're potentially being singled out or ostracized treated differently because of their disability. I don't think that's per se unlawful, but I think someone could maybe make an interesting claim on that basis, particularly if that employee is truly being ridiculed or ostracized, if people are being rude to them at work, maybe their supervisor's not happy with the fact that they're not vaccinated and they start treating them poorly or differently. There's some risk there. Like I said, it's not a per se claim, I don't think, on that basis alone, but it it certainly causes some additional issues. So the EEOC has confirmed that an employer can request proof of vaccination. Is that correct? That's correct. So that is has not been determined to violate any privacy. Again, is that correct? Yes. The concern, though, with that, and I think the EEOC even mentions this in their guidance, is you can ask about vaccination status, but be careful about just give me the vaccination status. You know, we don't need 
the whole reason for why you are or aren't vaccinated because that can get into other medical information that potentially need not be shared because under the ADA, yes, you can ask an employee about their medical conditions, but only to the extent that you need to, to determine whether or not a reasonable accommodation needs to be made. So there, there's always a concern that if you ask for too much information or you make too broad of a request, you're going to get information that goes beyond that and can cause further problems. Yeah, that makes sense. What about another hypothetical? If you are in a customer or client-facing environment, let's say a, a doctor's office, let's keep it within healthcare, can the the partners, the the doctors in the office attest to their patients, everyone here has been vaccinated? I had this come up. I work with a agency that provides in-home childcare. And that was essentially the question, you know, can we advertise that all of our caregivers are vaccinated or certain caregivers are vaccinated? And I think the answer is yes. This goes more towards kind of delivery of services and customer service than it necessarily does, you know, an employee relations issue. That That's how I view it anyway. If a company says, okay, well, in order to get people to come to our restaurant or to go to come to our doctor's office or to use our service providers, if we think what's going to get them to do that is to let them know that our people are, are vaccinated and we can legally ask who's vaccinated and who's not, we're certainly going to ask for that information and we're going to advertise that. What they need to be careful about is how they do it and whether they do it on kind of an anonymized basis in the aggregate or if they're doing it kind of individually. Well, this person is, this person isn't, this person is, this person isn't. That's where things could get you know, a little bit dicey. And then we come back to the question about the masks. So if you have a child care center where you know nine out of 10 of your teachers are vaccinated, the one that's wearing the mask is probably pretty clearly not. Do people advocate to take their kids out of that classroom? I can see a lot of complications around that, that you know, on the one hand might be unavoidable in terms of making the general consumer feel safer, but might cause some problems for the employer. Right. And in a situation like that, my child's daycare center, for example, even though, so they've communicated to us, most of the teachers are vaccinated, but they're still requiring all teachers to wear masks. And I think it's the reasons twofold. One, obviously the children are not vaccinated. But two, I think some of it is to protect the folks who are not vaccinated for whatever reason, you know, from ridicule or from parents asking questions or you know, making comments, things like that. I think that's a, it's a wise decision, in my opinion, to keep things as uniform as possible. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, Neil. I'm Cynthia Gentili, and we'll be right back. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Welcome back. Today we're talking with attorney Neil Goldsmith about the shifting landscape of workplace vaccine mandates. Let's get back to the conversation. Kind of levels the playing field for the employees at that point. I wonder how long we might be able to kind of promote that 
some point, I would think that vaccinated employees may feel some discontent around continuation of masking policies. Of course, the employer can require that. I just foresee possibly some complaints. Yeah, I I think it's going to be really interesting when one or two things happens. One, if we hit herd immunity in a specific community, which who knows if we will and what that'll look like. And two, if the vaccine is opened up to people of all ages, because you can say, well, I I'm wearing the mask because I'm protecting the other people who aren't vaccinated. But at a certain point, most people are vaccinated and everyone will have an opportunity to get vaccinated, too. So, I, yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how things shift at that point. So I want to talk a little bit about this fairly recent federal court case out of the Southern District of Texas. I, I believe it's Bridges v. Houston Methodist Hospital. And in this case, the employer mandated vaccines. And, and then when some employees refused to get them, they were terminated. Can you talk a little bit about this case and, and maybe the effects of the case that you've seen? I would be happy to. I got to say, this is one of the best opinions I've read in a long time for a number of reasons, not only just how it's written, but also what the result is, how these arguments were addressed. And I think it's really helpful for employers everywhere. This was a involved a hospital, which I, I think it was helpful, certainly, that this was a hospital mandating vaccines for everyone. I frankly can't think of a, another type of organization or industry that is more justified in mandating vaccines than a hospital. So I, I think that played into it here. But I still think whether it was a hospital or some other employer, the reasoning and the decision would, would likely be the same. So just very briefly, a healthcare worker sued along with other, I think 116 other employees to block the vaccine mandate that was put forth by the hospital. And they put forth a number of different theories in their complaint, which interestingly enough are the same type of theories that I started reading, and I'm sure you did too, Cindy, when this vaccine came out and the big question was, can you mandate? And people were kind of going through, well, an an employee could make this argument, an employee can make that argument. But of course, there's no precedent for this. We're just kind of all speculating on how a court would rule on such arguments. Now we don't have to speculate because we have a decision here in Texas where a judge basically shot down all of these arguments. And the main ones centered around the fact that, well, we can't be coerced into taking this vaccine. It's illegal. It's not fair. It's dangerous. You can't tie my employment to me having to take this vaccine. And what the court basically said was, no, you're wrong. An employer can tie your employment to requiring this vaccine. I want to back up too for a second. Mandating vaccines is not something that is completely new. Some healthcare organizations and hospitals have mandated flu vaccines or or TB tests for, I know, long-term care in home care industries. So this is not completely new. There are some employers that have mandated certain types of vaccines. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I was aware of the same in terms of in certain settings like long-term care, childcare, hospitals, where some vaccines, even seasonal vaccines like the flu shot, are required. I mean, I wondered what the precedential value of of those requirements might be. Yeah, and those weren't noted in this particular decision, but I I think there are certainly things you can point to, or at least you can point to it for the general proposition that this is not completely unheard of. And there have been cases out there that have upheld 
vaccine mandates. Now, usually those involve, you know, some kind of religious objection or other type of objection to the vaccine requirements. Whereas here, this wasn't at play in this case, you know, the ADA and religious piece. This was just employees who said, you know what, I'm not comfortable taking this vaccine. I don't think it's safe. I think it was rushed through too quickly. And I shouldn't have to be, as one of the plaintiffs put it, quote, a human guinea pig. So just to put the finest point on it, these employees are not making a ADA accommodation request or a religious observance request. They are not. Their arguments are just based on, as the court describes it, a wrongful termination, kind of just a generic claim, a termination in violation of public policy, which, by the way, the state of Texas doesn't recognize. Some other states do. The most interesting argument, and the one that I was very excited to see this court address, was an argument regarding the emergency use authorization piece of this vaccine. So for those of you who aren't aware, the vaccine was developed and put out under the emergency use authority, essentially, of the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Basically, if there's an emergency and we need to get a vaccine out, it doesn't need to go through the lengthy several-year clinical trials. There's kind of a shorter process that we can go through and approve it on an emergency basis. As part of this emergency use authorization, one of the regulatory requirements is that if you're going to give the vaccine to someone, you have to advise them of the, quote, potential benefits and risks of use, and quote, the option to accept or refuse administration of the product. And so it's this option to accept or refuse that the plaintiffs really focused in on and said, aha, I have the option. You can't make me take this vaccine. And what the court said was, no, no, no. These regulations have nothing to do with employment law and what employers can and can't do. All these regulations pertain to is what powers and responsibilities the Secretary of Health and Human Services has in an emergency. And it says, if you're going to put forth an emergency vaccine, you just need to advise people of this before they take it. Interestingly, the court also said there's no private right of action even under this regulation, even if it did apply to employers, which means if I'm an employee, I can't sue for it. I can't go to court and file a lawsuit claiming that my employer violated this provision. The court said, look, this doesn't apply. Court also says, even if it did apply, you are being given the option to refuse or accept the vaccine. Your consequence, if you refuse, is that you're fired and you'll have to work somewhere else. But you're not being forced to do it. You're not being unlawfully coerced to do it. And, and I'm, I'm really glad the court emphasized that and explained that because I think that's been my reasoning all along of, yeah, they have the option to accept or refuse, but obviously there are consequences if they choose not to take it. They just can't work at that particular organization. So are you aware of any appeals or, or any appellate status of the case? So I, I know an appeal has been filed. This is, so I think the decision was June 12th. So we're still very recent. I also know, I, I think I read recently that the employees were in fact terminated. I think we'll see an appeal on this to the Fifth Circuit. I'd be very surprised if this was reversed, but uh, you know whether it's you know reversed or upheld, it'll be nice just to get some more authority on this important issue. Absolutely, it's a really interesting and important case to consider. So we've talked about the stick as of the motivator. How about the carrot? Can employers incentivize employees to get vaccinated? Yes, they can. What incentives are allowed, and and what maybe go too far? So this is another question that 
didn't have a lot of answers a few months ago, but thankfully the EEOC came out with some updated guidance, I, I believe in, in May, frankly, a little bit late in my opinion, but better late than never, I guess. That said, yes, you can provide incentives, not to get too deep into the legal weeds here, but there was basically some previous guidance that had been withdrawn that caused some concern in the employer community about whether or not employers can provide certain incentives. There's some guidance that basically said, if you're providing kind of health and wellness related incentives, those incentives can't be anything more than, I think it referenced something like a water bottle or a gift card with a small amount on it. Obviously very, very small incentives. And that's not what we were seeing as far as what employees were offering for incentives. I've seen, you know, cash payments, $100, $200. I've seen substantial gift cards, PTO, right? A full day of PTO, that's obviously very valuable. And what happened was all of these employers just started incentivizing and there was no super clear guidance on it. But again, I think this goes back to what I said initially about your end goal is safety and your end goal is trying to keep your workplace as safe as possible. And if you're doing things to make that happen, I think it's going to be difficult for a court or an agency to come down on you for incentivizing people to go get the vaccine. And again, because it's been a big part of the Biden administration's effort to get a hold on this pandemic, I think a lot of employers just said, you know what? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of clear guidance, but we're going to do whatever we can to get people vaccinated and we'll deal with the consequences later, whatever they may be, but we don't think there are going to be any. And when the EEOC came out and said, you can provide those incentives, their plan was validated. Yeah, it's it's really, it's a compelling interest for the employer, I understand. And certainly when safety is sort of the guiding principle, you're doing something with a good intention. I just foresee, I foresee messiness with employees who do have a real inability to get the vaccine for either a physical or an ADA reason or a religious observance reason saying, you know, I wasn't able to uh, earn that extra day off or to, to get that $250 Amazon gift card. It's just an interesting question that I, I think has to play itself out. Yep. Yep. And, and messiness is what keeps me gainfully employed. So I, I welcome the messiness and, and we'll help figure it out. We like to talk about the messiness, don't we? Yes. So you you mentioned the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization. So my final question is, is sort of, a, I'm asking you to do a little forecasting. Do you foresee any aspect of this workplace mandate landscape shifting when and if the vaccines do move from the EUA to a full approval? Maybe a little bit. But I don't think, honestly, it's going to be a major event or, or cause a major shift in policy. I think with this court case from Texas, I mean, this has been really helpful to put to bed one of the potential risks and, and legal arguments that employers might face regarding the fact that it's only under EUA and it doesn't have full approval. But of course, you know, once it goes to full approval, then you can say, well, it's, it was certainly fine under the EUA. It, it is definitely fine now that it's been fully approved. And I think what it's going to do is just further legitimize the efficacy of the vaccine, which I think will further allow for even greater justification of employer policies that have the goal in mind of getting as many people vaccinated as they can. Yeah. Polling suggests just kind of general population polling that it's a pretty small number of people who claim that the full authorization will make the difference in their assessment 
They are opposed to the vaccine now. It's, it's a pretty small number that would be then convinced. Although I think time will tell as we move further into this year and, and into next year where that will land. But it certainly would seem to me that if the employer was free to do these things when it wasn't fully approved, they're only more covered when it is. Yeah, I think that's right. Thank you so much for talking with me today. This is such an interesting and important topic right now and and very much in flux. So I appreciate you giving me your perspectives and some of your thoughts about where this will land moving forward, because I know it's going to change. Uh, yes, it will. And thanks for having me here today. It's always fun to talk about these ever-changing issues. I really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you to our listeners. Be well and be safe. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.